Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, Bad Dirt. What makes Bad Dirt so bad? The answer? The ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that likes big trucks and he cannot lie. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain. Big truck. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are chilling and swilling some tropical beer hug from Goose Island. This is a double dry hopped double IPA that grabs you like a big bear hug. Plus I love the notes of mango, pineapple, and peach. And like Christopher Cross said, it's good for me, good for you. Four out of five bottle caps. And here are some folks deserving of a big beer hug themselves. First up, we have Leah from Boston. And a big cheers to Matthew in Floyd, Virginia. Next up, we have a cheers to John sitting somewhere on top of Merritt Island, Florida. And a big we like you jib to Melissa in Lincoln, Nebraska. Next up, a big cheers to Pamela in Danville, PA. And last but certainly not least, we have Olga. That's Olga B. and Parts Unknown. Everyone we just mentioned, they helped us out with this week's beer run by going to our website and helping us out with this week's beer fund. Yeah, B-W-E-R-U-N, beer run. Thank you so much for supporting the show. But if you need more True Crime Garage for your earballs, don't be a finger sniffer. Go to stitcherpremium.com and sign up. Or you can go to our website, truecrimegarage.com, and click on the Off the Record link. And Colonel, Captain Colonel Finger Sniffer, that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. On True Crime Garage yesterday, we started off by talking about the still unsolved 2003 homicide of 22-year-old Kristen Schmidt from California. 
and then the creation of the FBI's Highway Serial Killer Initiative is where we left off. A lot of what we will be covering in today's show is information collected from and found on the FBI's website, FBI.gov. And we left off by talking about vulnerable victims living high-risk lifestyles, getting picked up, and later found a great distance away, and then discovered to be the victim of a homicide. The FBI website points out these types of cases are very difficult to investigate. The U.S. interstate highway system began in 1956. It incorporates 47,000 miles of roadway. That's a lot of ground to cover. The mobile nature of the offenders, the unsafe lifestyles of the victims, the significant distance in multiple jurisdictions involved, and the scarcity of witnesses or forensic evidence can make these cases incredibly tough to solve. A long-haul trucker can pick up a sex worker at a truck stop in Georgia, rape and murder her, and dump her body on the side of the road in Florida later that same day. The victim has no connection to the area where she is found, and there is no forensic evidence to collect because the crime scene is long gone, the inside of the truck where she was killed. If the trucker keeps the deceased victim with him for a day or two, he can dump her literally 1,000 miles or more from any place either of them were last seen. As a long-haul trucker, he may even be familiar with the most remote places to discard his prey, ensuring he will never be found, and his truck will be just one of thousands of anonymous big rigs passing by on interstates all over the country on any given day. It will be nearly impossible to track. Further, the victims are often transient and sometimes are not missed when they vanish because they aren't rooted to any one place. Many of them are drug addicted and are weary of law enforcement. Often they are disinclined to report violence inflicted on them, so the culprits are even more difficult to catch. Well, they're also trained to travel large distances. The Highway Serial Killer Initiative website contains a fairly horrifying map of the United States. This has red dots on it depicting where each of more than 750 murder victims have been found along U.S. highways in every state but Hawaii. The eastern half of the country has the most dots. Well, that makes sense. But the area where Kristen Schmidt was taken, Portland, Oregon, has its own little cluster of red dots. The website says that the FBI list of suspect truckers now numbers nearly 450. Now, this is really interesting. Quote, the analysts also began to develop a detailed timeline on many of the suspects. The information obtained from company logs, gas station receipts, and other records. This would be some of the stuff that we talked about yesterday, Captain, such as the way station records. And then we also have digital toll records such as Easy Pass as well. Will help pinpoint where a suspect was when murders were committed. Christine Palazzolo elaborated, quote, it is not unusual for a driver to pass through five or even seven states in one day. The amount of ground they cover and the lack of any connection to where they're passing through makes it difficult to tie the cases back to them, end quote. But of course, that's exactly what makes tracking these guys so difficult. As pointed out in a USA Today article from 2010, 
Stopping crime at the thousands of rest areas, truck stops, and travel plazas remains difficult. In part, that's because the responsibility for policing rest areas varies from state to state. That often means no consistent records are kept about the rate of crimes, and no single agency takes ownership for fighting it. But these crimes also are difficult to stop because of the location of the rest areas along major roadways. That makes getting away easy. Just jump onto an interstate and speed off. Well, think about your own driving history. I mean, just to drive a state away can be a chore sometimes. And and these individuals, like she was saying, can go three, four, five states away within a day, no problem. The other issue here is when we're not able to identify the victims. Yeah, either they're not easily identifiable or we're just not able to identify them because they're several states away when they were picked up alive and well. In Kristen Schmidt's case, we got lucky that we have the eyewitness who sees the big rig, but also we get lucky because they find an ID. They find identification in her backpack. In many of these other cases, in fact, many, many of the other victims found along the nation's highways are found with no identifying papers or marks whatsoever. Well, let's think about that for a second. Let's say we weren't able to identify Kristen. As far as her family knows, she's going to go visit her long-distance boyfriend in Colorado. This is She's found in a whole separate state. Chances are they wouldn't be able to put two and two together. In that 2010 article from the USA Today where Michael Harrigan, the special agent who oversaw this task force, says that you know, part of the problem here too for investigators is that they have at that time anyway more than 80 cases in which authorities couldn't identify the remains that are found or recovered only body parts in fact he references a barstow case from 2010 february of 2010 where a woman's severed head was found in a backpack a few hundred yards from a truck stop just off of interstate 15 not far from I-40, but police had no idea who she was. Barstow Jane Doe remains unidentified to this day. The main way in which they're helping with this task force is to be able to connect these cases with smaller departments. Well, it's kind of the reverse of that. They're helping smaller departments, local smaller departments and agencies, connect their case to a case somewhere else in the nation, right? So somewhere on the national level. Yeah. Because what they're thinking here, if you follow the victimology as well as the modus operandi of this type of killer, it would be generally believed that a local agency would recover a body, find a homicide victim, but then they have no clues to really even take their investigation any steps forward toward getting it solved. And once the local agency can conclude that we don't have anything to follow up on here, we don't really have any investigation because we don't know much about the victim, where they're from, or the crime scene, we don't have anything to investigate. Well, let's put this on the Highway Serial Killer Initiative's website on their database And let's look for similar types of crimes. You know, if you find something that's very specific that matches up with the victim you found, well, you might have a match here. 
And if we can take that a step forward, now we're going to go, okay, well, who could have been, let's say your, your victim, your crime seems to match up with 15 other almost identical crimes throughout the United States Right. that you, you locate them off of this database. Well, then you're going to go, there's only a certain number of people that could have been in all 15 of those locations, given those dates and times when the bodies were recovered. And now you have a pool of people, a much smaller pool of people. It could be five, six, 10, 15 people to look at that even had the possibility to be connected to all of those crimes. Then you can look at it on a smaller basis of, well, who could be connected to a percentage of those crimes. Basically, it's the idea of hoping to lead you to A, a suspect, B, the crime scene. If, in fact, the victim was killed inside the truck, the mobile crime scene. So one thing that they can do, the local law enforcement agencies, the smaller agencies, not only can they upload their information about their victim and put it on this database, but also the website allows them to search for different things, like, for example, manner of death, circumstances, whether the victim were sexually assaulted or not, other specifics about the case. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. We've referenced VICAP on this show many times. We've also mentioned the more local databases that exist. Like here in Ohio, we have the Attorney General's website that lists Ohio cold case homicides, unsolved homicides in the state of Ohio. Sadly, there are many unsolved homicides in the state of Ohio that are missing from that database. Because in all of these situations with these databases, it is up to the local authorities, the local agency to submit the information that they have on their cold case or their unsolved homicide. For whatever reason, sometimes the agency just does not pass along that information. They do not upload their information to these databases. And I think that that's a one. It's a poopy thing. It's a slight on the victims. Yeah. It's, I believe a miscarriage of justice. It's a goddamn shame. Well, it's something small that they can do that takes very little time and effort and costs very little manpower or dollars to do. And look at what happened with the Sam little case. Look at how many homicides were solved using this method. Word, word. It's a tried and true method. It's not going to work all the time. It's not even going to work a high percentage of the time, mm-hmm. but it does work. And the thing, a question that I'm often asked, how do you put up with the captain? Nick, why were the serial killer numbers so much higher in the sixties and seventies and eighties rather than what we see today? Well, the short answer is one serial killers are not racking up these types of numbers because of technology. This is part of it. These monsters are being identified faster because of technology and communication, much better communication between jurisdictions and all kinds of uh, law enforcement agencies, be it on the federal level, state level, county level, city level, what have you. There's better communication today that catches and apprehends these guys faster. It's not that we have less monsters out there. It's just we're getting better from technology and communication at catching them faster. So you don't have a Ted Bundy that goes out and kills 15 or 20 people. Mm -hmm. Instead, 
you have a Ted Bundy that kills one or two women, and then he's apprehended, and he gets to spend the rest of his life in prison. So what you're saying is there's still just as many pieces of shit. There's piles and piles of shit, but we're catching those people after their first crime or second crime. Faster. We're getting we're getting to them faster than they can rack up victims. All right. Calm down, Colonel Sassy Pants. Well, like you're saying, this is a simple task that they could do. And I go back to what you like to say, uh, lazy or stupid. Seems like this falls into the lazy category. Well, part of it, though, too, I think is unclear to these agencies, right? Who is the designated person that is supposed to upload this information or provide this information to these different databases? In a lot of cases, I'm guessing we don't have a, a chief of police or a sheriff that has delegated that responsibility to one individual or even gone as far to tell the lead investigator, this is part of your investigation. And so I'm, I'm reaching out there to all the good lead investigators out there and asking them, please, please submit this information to these different databases. It could very well help you on your case or think about this could help somebody else out. One of your fellow women or boys in blue somewhere else in another jurisdiction, solve one of their cases at the very least it gives the families some form of hope. It's a different tool, a different tactic to use, and it's the right thing to do for your victim. Now, the Highway Serial Killer Initiative isn't just a data point collection website. The crime analysts at VICAP continually monitor the site for new cases that they think might be the work of serial killer truckers. When they get one, they reach out to the local agency working the case and connect them with others who have similar crimes in their areas. Then they assist the local agencies with trying to track suspects who should be looked at, helping them obtain trucking records and teaching them how to track certain suspects. The FBI's website states that this initiative was supported by the trucking industry. Yeah, and the thing here, it's it's the FBI going out of its way, as we did in yesterday's episode, saying that we're not... We didn't come up with this idea to just say all truckers are bad people. All of them are serial killers. No, that couldn't be further from the truth. Now, whether or not the... It's a very, 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 very small percent. Incredibly small percentage. Whether or not the Highway Serial Killer Initiative is an insult to truckers, the program has allegedly helped solve a number of sexual assaults and murders attributed to truckers. The website claims that the program has resulted in the arrest of 10 male long-haul truckers collectively responsible for 30 murders in its first four years of operation. And it reports that at least 25 long-haul truckers are in prison in the U.S. for serial murder. Well, what about the initial investigation that kind of kicked this off with uh, investigator Terry Turner? Yeah, Terry Turner is the one that kind of discovered this series of women, series of victims that she believed were connected. This ultimately became the genesis of this whole initiative. The series of women and murders that she was investigating, these were women that were dumped along Interstate 40. Fast forward to today, we know that the, these crimes were solved and the killer was indeed a trucker. John Robert Williams, age 28, was arrested along with his girlfriend for the murder of a sex worker they kidnapped from a casino in Mississippi. 
Nikki Hill was the victim. She was found dumped along a rural county road. William's girlfriend was worried that they had been seen leaving the casino with the victim, so she called police and pretended that they had found the body. Under interrogation, the couple's story collapsed, and Williams confessed to that murder and many other murders. Got him. This is from an article from the Toledo Blade, dated August 11, 2007, written by Robin Erb. It says, from a sweltering Mississippi prison earlier this week, a long-haul trucker admitted that he killed a former Toledo woman and more than 30 others, authorities said. John Robert Williams confirmed what any homicide detective knows all too well. Truck stop prostitutes are easy to kill. Captain Clark Fine and Lieutenant Roger Call of Indiana's Hendricks County Sheriff's Office interviewed Williams, who is being held in a supermax unit of the Parchman, Mississippi prison. They were investigating the death of Buffy Ray Brawley, a 27-year-old Toledo woman whose partially clothed body was found March 24, 2004 in a desolate parking lot about 10 miles outside of Indianapolis. Her murder was particularly cruel. Duct tape was pressed over her face and her killer bashed in her head and strangled her. Why, the investigators asked, the answer was simple. She tapped on the cab of a truck, Lieutenant Call said. But the captain added the 31-year-old man, Williams, knew details that only the killer might know, like when Miss Brawley died. He remembered something else without being asked, Miss Brawley's rose tattoo with the name Ebony over it. It is the name of her daughter. Williams was a long-distance hauler who had worked for several companies during the past three years. His girlfriend, Rachel Cumberland, rode along with him. They were arrested and charged in August of 2004 with the fatal shooting of Nikki Hill of Mississippi. The couple met her at a casino. Once the couple were in custody, the man, Williams, he confessed to murdering more than a dozen women, many of whom were the cases that Terry Turner was investigating. And Williams, the killer, he knew details such as whether they were strangled with a ligature or manually, whether and how they were sexually assaulted, and whether that occurred before or after death. So these are all things that your killer is going to be the only one that knows the answer to these questions or his sidekick that's riding along with him in his big rig. Now, he is serving a life sentence plus 20 years in Mississippi for Hill's murder. Williams, though, however, was as free as a bird and roaming the country in his truck when Kristen Schmidt was killed. Scary enough to think that this serial killer is driving around looking for another victim and basically his mobile killing machine, but he's not the only one. They suspect over hundreds of these monsters out there on the roads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. 
Millions of people pass go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG.
$45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we are back. Cheers, mates. Tall cans in the air. Not only do the gas prices scare people, but now we have to be afraid of all the trucks. <laughs> well, before we get into some of the serial killers in the this episode and the coming episodes, I wanted to show who fit this modus operandi, who fit into these serial killer truckers and review some of the ones that were apprehended both before and after the creation of this highway serial killer initiative. But before we get into the serial killers, let's talk a little bit about how the FBI was well slow yeah. on the uptake on this one. So this is not really an idea that even though we, we went through the genesis of it and how this all started and came about through the good work from Terry Turner and other colleagues of hers, but this was always something that had been suspected or at least much further back than the creation of this initiative. And I remember a case that was on unsolved mysteries when I was a kid that talked about these types of patterns and talked about this type of serial killer. The highway serial killer initiative started up in the mid two thousands, right? But the Pittsburgh press started reporting on the murder of truck stop sex workers back in April of 1987. We'll get into some of that stuff here in a little bit later. But the one that I remember from Unsolved Mysteries here, Captain, was an Ohio journalist. 
also covered the pattern in 1991. This is Pulitzer Prize winner Michael Barron's who was doing a story for our local paper, the Columbus Dispatch, doing a story on serial killers for the Columbus Dispatch. When he's putting together his story, he noticed a pattern of murdered sex workers. Using news stories and police reports, Barron's found similarities in the slayings of multiple women from 1985 to 1990. Most were strangled or asphyxiated and suffered blunt fort trauma to the face, and most of their bodies were dumped along an interstate. This is directly from the Dispatch article dated March 10, 1991. A serial killer may be trolling Ohio interstates and truck stops, claiming at least nine female victims who are linked in both life and death, a Dispatch investigation has revealed. Most of the victims are known or suspected prostitutes, part of a flourishing sex-for-sale industry centered on truck stops, and linked by freeways and citizens' ban radios. Since 1985, bodies have been found scattered across four states. Six have been discovered in Ohio. The other three were found near interstates in Illinois, Pennsylvania, and New York. Three of the Ohio victims worked from the Union 76 truck stop in Austintown, Ohio, police records show. The truck stop east of Akron and west of Youngstown is the state's largest. Eight victims were missing clothing, mostly undergarments and shoes. FBI experts say serial killers often keep victims' trophies. The victims were all beaten, strangled, or suffocated. All were killed someplace other than where they were found. No weapons have been found. No Ohio law enforcement agency has comprehensively tracked the unsolved homicides. FBI agent John Dunn A spokesman for the Cleveland office said the Bureau informally reviewed five of the slayings, but is unaware of any forensic evidence linking them. But more Ohio investigators are now saying some of the slayings appear to be connected. All agree the killer is most likely a truck driver who is believed to have used the names of Dr. No, Stargazer, and Dragon while luring women to his cab using a citizen band radio. Truckers often use fake names called handles when talking on CBs. Well, Colonel, if I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. Never trust a man with a fake name, but never, ever trust a man named Dragon. Serial killer expert John Douglas of the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit says for the article that serial killers often escape early detection when crisscrossing jurisdictions. Douglas and other experts say a lack of communication between police agencies is one of a serial killer's greatest advantages. And Barron's discovered that this use of a CB radio for communication between sex worker and trucker was not exactly a secret. One of the victims went by the CB handle tongue teaser. As described in his article, the sex workers used the CB radio to put their availability out there using a cute or alluring handle. A sex worker looking for a John would get on the radio and give her handle and a known catchphrase that she had developed, and the trucker would answer back and say, yeah, this is the blue Peterbilt in row three, come meet me. And she goes off to the truck. And then usually, once they are done, she'll use the trucker's CB to radio to her next potential customer. At least two of the dead women in Ohio from this article were seen getting into a black Peterbilt tractor trailer. 
After the dispatch ran the story about all of the victims in Ohio and the three nearby states, all whom seemed to be linked, the Ohio Attorney General and the Sheriff's Association formed a task force to figure this out. They determined that the counties were not communicating about the murders and so had not put the pieces together that they could be dealing with a trucker serial killer. Pretty crazy when you think about it. By March 15, 1991, the dispatch ran an article that reported, quote, detectives from New York to Tennessee who are investigating the possible serial killings of 10 women plan to gather within two weeks in Ohio. The meeting will be the first for a task force in Ohio that includes more than a dozen law enforcement agencies looking into the slayings from 1985 to 1990. Yeah. Law enforcement officials first began speculating that a serial killer was loose on the interstates in 1987. The task force also undertook to print and distribute 4,000 posters bearing images of five of the victims who have been identified and drawings of three who were Jane Doe's. They handed them out and posted the flyers at 130 truck stops in Ohio and 1,350 in nine other states, as well as at 147 rest stops along highways in Ohio. The flyer advertised a $10,000 reward for information about the murders and a tip line. So let's think about some of those numbers that they're saying here and big, give big kudos to uh, Barron's who was writing that article for the Columbus Dispatch. And you know what? We'll give, give a little bragging rights here to say that Looks like our state was ahead of the curve here, right? Uh, We were on to this thing maybe a little faster than the rest of the country. And it seems like Pittsburgh as well. So America. Yeah. You're welcome. That's right. But we have the numbers in there really point out how difficult these cases will be to investigate. When they talk about distributing these posters that they created with images of five of the victims who were identified. And then we also have three unidentified Jane Doe's that were on these posters as well. They're handing them out to 130 truck stops just in Ohio alone. 1,350 truck stops in nine other states. And that doesn't even include the 147 rest stops along highways in Ohio. So this is a, a, a big undertaking. Yeah, a massive project to undertake. But the reality is that means that there are so many victims that don't have justice and some of them aren't even identified it's a pretty scary world that we are operating in that it is another way of looking at it here captain is that there's some pretty scary people operating in the world that we are living in now i don't want to jump around here a whole lot because there's a lot of directions that we can go with this from here i think the the thing that makes the most sense is to stick in this general location and start by finishing our story that we said started here with the newspaper of the Columbus Dispatch. So we jump now to another publication, and this quote is taken from an article in CDL Life, which is a trucking industry newsletter. And the quote says, News that a serial killer was attacking women in truck stops in Ohio was first reported in the early 90s. That, again, the Columbus Dispatch article that we've been referencing. The Pittsburgh Press actually first covered the murders in 1987, like we said. It's April 5th, 
1987 article entitled Killings of Truck Stop Hookers Baffle Police reports on a slew of murders that seem to form a pattern. The article talks about the realities facing truck stop sex workers with call signs like Bad Girl, Twilight, Champagne, Butterfly, and Sex Machine. Over the CB, they flirt with the truckers on the prowl at truck stops like the one near Youngstown, Ohio. Probably easy for these truck drivers to figure out which places have surveillance and, and they have so much ground to cover and such big stops that if they just go a little bit further out, it's like, wait, just meet me down a little further down the way. So we're not around any of the cameras. And when we're talking about the eighties and early nineties, I'm guessing that a lot of these truck stops have less surveillance, if any, compared to what we have now. Right. The other thing too, is so many of these workers are using assumed names they're using aliases they're not so easily identified these would be the would be potential victims for such monsters that i don't know that they have to worry especially back then so much so as who sees who get into whose truck right because there's so much of this activity going on that i don't know that many of the other truckers are paying a whole lot of attention to this and so that's where everything gets very difficult to investigate these crimes. Yeah, it'd probably be easier to find a needle on a haystack. Back to that CDL Life newsletter. It goes on to say that similarities in cases of murdered women led many to believe it could be the work of one person. It became apparent that one man was soliciting sex workers over the CB channels, and the sex workers were turning up all over Ohio dead. But then it wasn't just Ohio. This particular trucker was believed to have been responsible for a string of murders, women that were killed and dumped near roadways in Ohio, Illinois, New York, and Pennsylvania. At least nine women, and then 10 in total, were found in Ohio between 1981 and 2004, and then three more in other states. Jesus. Most of them were missing underwear and shoes. Several of the victims were associated with the largest truck stop in Ohio, the Union 76 truck stop that we mentioned in Austintown. But who was this guy? No one knew his name. The still living sex workers in the area did not like dealing with him. They were afraid of him and generally refused to get into his rig. So they came up with this term. They termed him Dr. No as some kind of code name. Like, Dr. No, don't go with that man. Right. Let's take a look at some possible victims of this Dr. No. One of the earliest was a woman that was found in April of 1981 in Miami County, Ohio, found in a ditch on Greenlee Road near State Route 55, approximately five miles west of I-75. This victim was known only as Buckskin Girl. She was finally identified via forensic genealogy in 2018 as, as Marsha King. The next three victims, Marsha Matthews, who was found by a state trooper in June of 1985 on I-70 north of Mansfield with her head smashed in. She was, this is crazy, she was still alive when found but died two days later in the hospital. That's awful. Shirley Dean Taylor was found July 1986, strangled and beaten at a rest stop 
on I-71 near the I-76 interchange. And April Barnett, who in December of 1986 was strangled and dumped over a guardrail on the southbound lanes of I-71. This is west of Akron, three miles north of U.S. Route 30. They were all near or were last seen at this Union 76 truck stop. The next victim, Anne Marie Patterson, was discovered to have made an appointment at an Austintown truck stop via CB radio with a client she did not like called Dr. No. Her pimp overheard the CB exchange. As quoted on Mysterious Universe as, No thank you, I know. This is what the pimp overheard her saying to the trucker that evening. He was calling, but they wouldn't go to his truck for some reason. The pimp later said, they said he was trouble. So they're being told that this guy's trouble. But in fact, Anne Marie had been arrested for solicitation earlier that day, had told an officer she had some sketchy information about who may have been responsible for killing three other known prostitutes who frequented truck stops in the Youngstown area. But Anne Marie was scared and didn't tell them any helpful details. The next day, after the CB exchange overheard by her pimp, Anne Marie went back to work, went back to work at the Venango County truck stop and never met up with her pimp as planned. She was then found in March of 1987. But she's found 250 miles away, wrapped up in a sleeping bag. This in a ditch next to the I-70 north of Cincinnati. They're travelers. Having been in a refrigerator for a month. She was found five months pregnant. This is awful. After hearing all this, I'm going to have to up my prescription of vodka. But at least in this case, we have an eyewitness. Yeah, we have the pimp who ends up telling police that when she spoke with this doctor, no, and then gets into a truck, she's never seen alive again. He's able to tell police that the doctor, no, that she responded to drove a long nosed, dark colored Peterbilt truck and drove for North American van lines. So now we got a really good lead here in one of these cases. Yeah. What a bad handle. Dr. No. My handle would be Dr. Feel Good. Two weeks later, the Pittsburgh Press came out with the article titled Mysterious Dr. No Sought an Ohio Truck Stop Prostitute Murder Probe. The article reported that Anne Marie Patterson, one of our victims, had been afraid of this, air quotes, Dr. No. And there were other truck stop sex workers that were afraid of him as well. Dr. No was wanted for questioning and some believed he might be a serial killer. A serial killer or the serial killer that they're looking for. Yeah, in relation to these cases that we're talking about. What's interesting here, Captain, is at least two of the four victims were last seen entering a dark blue or black Peterbilt truck. Right. That fits the description we were given by the witness to one of the last victims. And it may have been a refrigerated trailer. Remember, Anne Marie Patterson's body had been refrigerated before being dumped. The man called Dr. No was sought to have possibly used the CB radio handles, Stargazer and Dragon. 
As a result of the murders, a multi-county task force was established to investigate the crimes and figure out whether they were dealing with one killer or several. Authorities from four different counties in Ohio where bodies were found disagreed as to whether they had a serial killer trucker on their hands or not. Although there were no witnesses, weapons, or MOs linking the crimes, some were convinced there was a serial killer humming along the Ohio highways, killing and dumping women all along the interstates. So the problem with these cases for a group of investigators is just sit down and quickly review them and compare notes and say, yeah, I think we got one guy killing all these women. It got a little dicey because there were not, there were similarities with some of the cases, but there were also great differences as well, right? Some of them were killed in different manners. Some of them were found, obviously they're found in different locations. One thing connecting them was their air quotes occupation and the idea that they were working these truck stops and some of them, that one major truck stop there in Ohio. Well, it's easy to see why somebody would think they're connected and why others would disagree. The other problem with this type of killer is truck drivers don't always own their vehicles. So they could be getting a new vehicle or driving a different style of vehicle every few weeks. Well, and we talk about these four victims, but while we have this task force looking at this Dr. No and how many murders he may or may not be connected to, that number will eventually grow to 10 victims in Ohio and three in other states. So we quickly go from, well, he may be responsible for one to four murders to, well, he may be responsible for one to 13 murders. Let's think about this for a second. This task force is saying there's probably about 400 of these types of serial killers. Okay, 400. So we got 50 states. That's eight per state, roughly. Probably more in some states, less in other states. But if the average trucking serial killer has three victims, well, that's 1,200 victims. If they have 10, that's 4,000 victims. That's insane. Well, and watch the killing season. You know, we had Joshua Zeman on here, feels like forever ago, to talk about the killing season on yeah, a we've been doing this a long time. A very long. We had him on 1951. It was the summertime. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> um, we had him on to discuss the Long Island serial killer case. Mm-hmm. And that's because his series, The Killing Season, does speak about the Long Island serial killer case on a couple of those episodes. One thing that they explored during that series was these long haul trucker killers. And there was some thought that there could be a trucker involved in the list case as well. So what everybody's going to want to know, right, Captain, was this Dr. No ever caught? Well, a 2019 arrest put behind bars the man that is widely believed to be Dr. No. Yeah, Dr. Yes. Got him. First, a CODIS hit in 2005 showed that the same killer was responsible for two highway murders. So let's break this down a little bit. We have in Wood County, the frozen nude body of Victoria Collins was found December 20th, 1996, found behind the Union 76 truck stop on Route 420 near Exit 71 of the Ohio Turnpike in Lake Township. 
The victim, Collins, was an exotic dancer from Cleveland who had been out with some friends partying. She argued with her friends and was let out of a vehicle on I-90 near Cleveland. She was last seen on December 16th or the early morning hours of December 17th, 1996. She was reported missing by a friend on the 18th. Then we have October 23rd, 1997. Julia Conkul was found strangled and dumped behind a center's truck stop in Lake County, Illinois. CODIS also contained DNA from a 1992 murder in Mahoning County, Ohio, which was a match to an unknown perpetrator in the Collins and the Kokul case. This was Sharon Kudzerski, who was found dead at a truck stop near Youngstown. This victim, Sharon, she died from blunt force trauma. She was found on April 9, 1992, near the edge of the Universal Truck Mall parking lot in Austin Town, Ohio. She had been deceased for approximately 24 hours and died as a result of multiple blunt force injuries to the head, face, and upper chest. What CODIS tells us here, Captain, is the same man had killed three women. Right. In 2019, the DNA from the unknown suspect in the three truck stop murders was also matched to a rape in Medina County. Oh. A familial DNA search resulted in the name of a man who was the brother of a man who had been an original suspect in the rape case. His name was Samuel Legg. In 1997, long-haul trucker Samuel Legg had been suspected of raping a 17-year-old female hitchhiker in the Medina area. He gets picked up after giving this teenage girl a ride to Cleveland and he had drugged her and raped her in the cab of his truck. And what happens is the case somehow against Leg falls apart. A leg to stand on. But they have the DNA on file. Good. So now in 2019, they had a familial DNA match to Samuel Leg, showing that he was the probable suspect in multiple unsolved cases. So charges are filed. And Ohio investigators tracked Samuel Legg down at a group home in Arizona, arrested him, and took a DNA sample. It showed that Samuel Legg was the contributor of the DNA in all four cases, right? The three murders, unsolved murders, and that 1997 rape. Soon, more murders would be attributed to him after he confessed. Well, Leg is going to be picked up in February of 2019, and he's going to eventually confess to the crimes and even showing them, demonstrating to law enforcement how he choked and strangled the victims. He admits that he picked them up. He admits that he choked all three of them. And in 2019, he would have been 51 years old at that time. So after he's picked up, now we got to bring him back to Ohio so he can stand trial. But first, he has to undergo a competency hearing or a competency exam. He fails this exam. The courts were given a year to rehabilitate him to the point that he could face his charges in court. But again, psychiatric evaluations showed that he was not competent to stand trial. Right. He had been diagnosed schizophrenic in the past, and he was not a well man based off of these reports. In order to institutionalize him, they had to show that he was responsible for these crimes. 
Authorities in several jurisdictions filed charges to make sure that he stayed locked up. This brings us to 2020, when a Wood County grand jury did indict Samuel Legg on two counts of aggravated murder and single counts of murder, rape, and kidnapping in connection with the murder of one of the victims, her name Victoria Collins. He was also indicted for the murder of Sharon Kazersky. Oh, piece of shit. In Illinois, he was charged with two counts of first-degree murder for the death of 39-year-old Julie Conkle. Remember, she was pregnant at the time. Samuel Legg was also the prime suspect in the 1990 murder of his stepdaughter, which is 14-year-old Angela Hicks. I guess he would have been about 21 at the time. Now, Angela Hicks, her skeletal body, her skeletal remains were found in a wooded area off of West River Road near Midway Mall in Lorain County. Well, law enforcement believes they know who did this, but they don't know how to prove it. Yes, that is the case with the Angela Hicks case. But we saw some reports that say that there's DNA evidence linking Leg to Angela's murder. But her case was reopened after Samuel Leg was arrested. And he was interviewed as part of the initial investigation way back in 1990 as well. Right. We do know that Samuel Legg was one of the last people to see Angela Hicks alive prior to her death. Again, back in 1990, they thought they knew who did it. They couldn't prove it. And then after this, after the death of his stepdaughter, Samuel Legg became an independent truck driver, a position that he held for nearly a decade. Samuel Legg had various arrests for failure to pay child support, theft, trespassing, and receiving stolen property. He was divorced from at least four wives that we could find. Then in 2016 to 2019, he was required to live at a group home for the mentally ill in Chandler, Arizona, after his mental state deteriorated and he became delusional. He often heard voices that told him to escape, and he would climb out windows. Ironically, tried to hitch rides with truck drivers. Dumbass. At one point, he succeeded in getting 100 miles away. Yeah, Mr. Leg or Dr. No, whatever the hell you want to call him, he's a real piece of shit. This takes us to News 5. News 5 says, quote, Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost, that's our current Attorney General, said it is fair to consider Leg a former truck driver, a serial killer. How many cases Leg may be connected to remains unclear. It's an open question at the moment. There may be more than three in Ohio, Yost said. Because they had a living witness in the rape case, they decided to use that one as the means to ensure that we're going to lock up this Samuel Leg. But it wasn't a traditional trial, and he wasn't found technically guilty. Right. Medina County Common Pleas Judge Joyce Krimbler ruled that Samuel Legg had committed the crime and ordered that he remain in Columbus's Twin Valley Behavioral Health Care Facility. So you're right, Captain. He's technically not found guilty, and it's not a traditional trial. So rather, the judge held that there was clear and convincing evidence that Samuel Legg was responsible for the rape. This was a sufficient finding justify involuntary commitment to a psychiatric facility. So Samuel Legg, or possibly a.k.a. Dr. No, 
is currently housed at Twin Valley Behavioral Health Center in Columbus, Ohio, which is a maximum security facility where he has been involuntarily committed. He will stay there for at least 10 years, at which point they will find a way to keep him. From the Medina Gazette says ensuing rulings across listed jurisdictions have spelled an effective lifetime placement in the Columbus Mental Health Facility for Samuel Legg, who has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. It's also been determined that his mental capacity cannot be restored to the point of the ability to stand trial. So it seems like Leg doesn't have a leg to stand on. The murders of Marsha Matthews, Shirley Dean Taylor, April Barnett, Anne-Marie Patterson, and many others remain unsolved. You could be anywhere, but you are here with us, and we appreciate it. We love you. And because we love you, we have some recommended reading for you. Colonel? That's right, Captain. This week we are recommending I, the creation of a serial killer by the late, great Jack Olson. This is based on access to interviews, diaries, court records, and the actual killer himself. I, the creation of a serial killer, is Jesperson's Keith Jesperson's chilling story. It chronicles his evolution from angry child to psychopathic murderer, from tormentor of animals to torturer of women. Check out I, the creation of a serial killer. You'll find that recommendation and many others on our website, truecrimegarage.com. And like always, don't forget to tell a friend. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't let On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, Bad Dirt. What makes Bad Dirt so bad? The answer? The ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over, thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.